0: to say uh tim the editing looks really good making i'm
1: making a french film yes you are i don't know how that happened (laughs) actually Uh, actually, i do know how it
0: happened it's really really good we've uh everybody you know in case you're you're late to to the shows uh we had a little hiatus a few weeks ago during which tim shot himself a film and he's cutting it right now and it's looking really good
1: i'm proud to say i shot that film in 10 full days yeah Ten days. You know, it's a cheaty little film because yeah. it's mostly set inside my car. But I shot it in ten days. Yeah. And I know the thing that, that, that people like to do. They like to make a movie, make it look good, look like a yeah. million dollars. Uh, they like to do it for a buck ninety-five and then go out and tell people they did it for a million bucks. That's the you know people. That's yeah. Hollywood. Sure. Here's the deal. I, I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, I'm not playing that particular game. I made a book. I made a movie for a buck ninety-five. I made it in ten days. It's a very good movie uh, starring an excellent young actress. Uh, and it's uh, you can do this. And the reason yeah. why I want people to know that is cuz I actually want people to know that you can do this. You yeah. can do this.
0: Yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, also in the news, we uh, we lost Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Which I kind of never really imagined was going to happen. We did a little we did an interesting little thing on the uh, on the Cinegods site. Go check it out at yeah. uh, cinegods.com. Uh, between Tim and Ray and me, we we all kind of weighed in on on Bert and what he means and represents. And you know he 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 was. It's weird in the the Me Too era, and we can talk about Les Moonves in a second. But in the Me Too era, Bert is that throwback to that Playboy moment, right? Late sixties through the seventies, right into the eighties, when everything was. Yeah. You know, sexual revolution, and, uh, and he was the, 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 the sexy guy, the sexy kid that wouldn't grow up. He did the Playgirl Spread. I mean, all that stuff was a, a departure from previous generations of movie stars. He was, a, he was a completely iconoclastic and of that era, and yet we still love him.
1: And and, and, and I hate to even put that uh, qualifier in front of it, the end yet. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I don't want Burt Reynolds to be an and yet. Person, I think that, you know, uh, what, we, what we're going to have to start doing in, in terms of maturing uh, as we deal with these things is simply taking, taking all of the content of a person's life, uh, putting it in some sort of a context, uh, and then letting it weigh out uh, properly. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and there will be those who are at the uh, Matt Lauer, Les Moonves, uh, Harvey Weinstein... Yeah. Uh, end of the spectrum who will have done uh, amazing things in their career but I'm afraid those amazing things are going to be overshadowed uh, by their behavior, their boorish behavior and a- that is as it should be henceforth and forever whenever we talk about Harvey Weinstein we're going to talk about the Harvey Weinstein mess first yeah. we're not going to talk about his movies and that's, and that's going to be his ultimate uh, punishment uh, yeah. and, and people like that Bert, uh, Bert, a man of his, of, of his period um, uh, it, it did things that men shouldn't ought to do in, during any period. Bert, Bert uh, you know, we will say allegedly, because I think you have to in front of these things, yeah. hit Judy Carn, allegedly yeah. uh, hit Lonnie Anderson. Um, um, uh, and uh, not okay. <laughs> not remotely okay. Yeah. In the large context of Bert's life, it seems to me that most of the women he dealt with uh, loved him dearly. S- Sally Field had some beautiful things to say, and she yeah. also had some pretty rough things to say in an article. Um, uh, But she also said she loved him. Um, So I think with Bert, we're going to have, we got a situation where we can talk about Bert and talk about his movies. We can talk about Sharky's Machine. Deliverance. I and I know everybody goes to Deliverance. I know. I know. Well, that's the one but that... Dude, come on. Sharky's yeah. Machine.
0: Sharky's Machine, he owned that movie. It's yeah. not an ensemble movie. Well, that's and he true. directed that. Not and the, he directed know, it. Is you know, know, the other movie. You, you, you want to talk about what Burt could do as a director. People forget that. And and I think there are two films that bookend his career as a director. Sharky's Machine is one because it's tough and it's badass and it's cool and the other one is the end. Oh I my god! I love the end with his
1: with his with his long people forget the longtime friend Don Yeah, Deleuil, They were uh, thirty yeah. year, yeah, three four movies.
0: And we talk. The end is on Blu Ray now.
1: Yeah. You know, we talked about that. And some months And it is ago. as funny today, yeah, as it was. It, by the way, all and of it's these about movies suicide. Flop. It's about suicide. All these movies flop. Gator flop. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think Bert directed five movies or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, all failures, <laughs> box office failures. Yeah, they all still play. They all they still play. I just find that very funny. i I, I talk about Bert in, 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 in juxtaposition to Clint, kind of contemporaries
0: but, Well, you know what? It, if you go to that period of the the early '70s, Bert was the number one um, bog, you know star according to those polls. He was the number one star five years in a row, and then he was uh, like three of the next four, or something like that. Anyway, the only person that ever beat him in any of those off years was Clint, yeah. So they were the two. They were the big two during those years.
1: It's, it's interesting that, look, it, it worked this way. If Bert had a choice between being profound and entertaining, he always chose entertaining. Yeah. Uh, Clint chose yeah. profound. That's it. And thus you get Unforgiven and a whole bunch of stuff. With Bert, you get Cannonball Run. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, and I got to tell you, both of those movies are I, I'm, Thank God they yeah. both exist. Yeah. So that's what I think about it. True.
0: And we, we have to also remember that uh, Burt put Jackie Chan in a couple of those Cannonball Run yeah, movies. Now, yeah. he played Japanese, which ooh, is not ooh. acceptable today. Uh, it just, you know, that, that people know better now. Nonetheless, for all of the, 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 the wacky missteps of those movies, um, you know what, Jackie was given a big Hollywood paycheck at a time when nobody else was willing to do that.
1: And he was trying to figure it out? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to tell folks, seriously, if you, if you haven't seen shark he's been which is set in Atlanta, by the way.
0: Oh, that's right, yeah. And it has
1: one of the best, best death, Bernie Casey. Yeah. That scene? Yeah. Man. Yeah. Come on. It's great. It's great. And Bert directed that scene. Bert, and Bert yeah. let Bernie have that. Bert, Bert was like, take it, take it, Bernie. All take it, way. Bernie. And he ran with it. I got to tell you, too, he did an Elmore Leonard, I think this is his last movie as a director, maybe not, not the cop and a half movie, uh, Stick. Oh yeah, which was an Elmore and li- That's, That's a right. a good movie too. It
0: is. Yeah,
1: well, it sure you, know, I'm is. Like, so, you know, anyway, little, anyway, Bert,
0: yeah. Well, and you know, of course, uh, *Boogie Nights*, which got him his Oscar nomination. He
1: was always uh, a little pissy about that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and his final film, you know, *The Last Movie Star*, which is loosely based on him, uh, I think is uh, is a worthy swan song uh, because it uh, it it. Touches on all, you know, it uses clips from his previous movies, and it's very semi-autobiographical in a in a very respectful way and
1: uh, self-reflective. He and, 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 and I he showed and I, self-reflection in that movie, yeah.
0: and I applaud Adam Rifkin for doing that. Yeah. That's a, that was a sharp movie and a and a wonderful Valentine. Most stars don't get that kind of a tribute in their final film or in any film. Yeah, so it yeah. was a good one. All right. Well, with that, we'll uh, we'll jump into some uh, some DVDs and Blu-rays. It's uh, we're getting into the holiday season pretty soon. We will uh, obviously have uh, a lot to say about the awards contenders as they start to emerge from the festivals at Toronto and Telluride and Venice. There's a lot of good stuff coming out, so we'll be talking about that too. I'm going to start off uh, blow through some Kid Vid. Uh, the Muppets, of course, are kind of always out there in the news. And recently, because of the, uh, the, the movie directed by the Happy Time Murders, directed by uh, Jim Henson's son, uh, which is sort of about R-rated, murderous, drug-using, oversexed, uh, Muppety creatures. Uh, you know, the, the, the brand, I don't want to say it's been tarnished, but it's gone in a different direction. Anyway, Disney still owns the Muppets proper and doesn't really use them to their greatest advantage. So that's why it's nice to always get things like Muppet Babies, Time to Play. Now, uh, anybody who listens to this podcast knows we don't, we're not really fond of the uh, the little, the thing where you take a, a, a group of characters and you make them babies or teenagers, like you know Teen Titans or whatever, just to, to kind of get a little extra mileage. But, and normally Muppet Babies, when they're animated, are a little bit annoying. But in this case... They're straight-up Muppety Muppet Babies, and it actually kind of works. This is Muppet Babies, Time to Play, Uh, complete two hours of stuff, Uh, four episodes, a couple of bonus episodes, some, uh, you know, ten different uh, uh, shorts, six music videos, and it's cute, and it's wacky, and it's fun, and it's, you know, Kermit and Miss Piggy and Fozzie and Animal and all the rest of them, Uh, just as babies, Muppet Babies, Disney Muppet Babies, Time to Play. It's fun. I will recommend it uh Garfield's Halloween adventure just in time for Halloween uh Mark Kaiser of course does not uh much care for Garfield and by the way we're going to we we have a little report from Mark today too oh, yeah. Mark uh Mark went to uh a festival in uh Deauville. in France we Deauville. in Deauville. Yeah. And uh, gave us a little report, so we we chatted with Mark for a few minutes, and we will uh, we'll have that right at the end of the show. Yeah, and uh, he's so, right about that cat too. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Of course, Mark can't stand Garfield because you know he likes pizza and all whatever. Uh, but yeah, so they they uh, kind of threw out a a very quickie Garfield Halloween adventure DVD. Um, no no real great reason to get this unless you just want to put something on during the Halloween party and make people wonder why you're a Garfield fan. Uh, then we got a thing called Unikitty. Now, I've never heard of Unikitty. This is a, uh, a Warner series. Uh, this is called Unikitty Sparkle Party. It's very, very clearly Japanese-influenced. It's got kind of a weird Hello Kitty vibe to it. And it all takes place in the Kingdom, and it's all about Princess Unikitty, which is some kind of Lego thing. So I don't quite know where this came from. It's a little anime, a little Lego, a lot of Warner. Anyway, this thing's on television. Apparently it's popular. It's freaky to me. This is a two-disc set. Uh, you get about um, you know, 16, 17 episodes out of this thing, and it all kind of escapes me. So if somebody wants to tell us what the whole deal is with Unikitty, I would, I would welcome it. It's a, it's a very strange phenomenon to me. And it's weird even in the Lego world. Uh, we've also got PJ Masks, Mighty Moon Problem. Uh, PJ Masks, of course, are, you know, little superheroes. That's the uh, the thing now, Catboy, Owlette, and Gecko. And uh, there are six episodes here, which are perfectly fine and cute. This skews very, very young. But for for if you want to, you know, kind of temper the superhero exposure for young children from the uh, harder DC and Marvel stuff, mm-hmm. that's the way to go. If you want to go a little bit tougher with the uh, the uh, superhero stuff, you got the DC animated movie on Blu-ray, DVD, and uh, movies anywhere. Uh, this is really cool. This is the uh, DC animated movie Freedom Fighters: The Ray. Now, I'm I, the Ray is not really on my radar as far as the uh, the DC superheroes go, but um, and this all takes place on Earth X and. You know, it really plugs in in a very interesting way into the uh, the DC universe. If you're a DC aficionado, you will completely get this, and of course, you know you get Flash and Green Arrow showing up here as well to kind of uh, kind of give you a little anchor into more familiar heroes. But the Ray is a is a pretty cool hero, and I really I like the fact that they went out on a limb and they, uh, and they did this. So mm-hmm. Freedom Fighters, the Ray, out on Blu-ray, nice addendum to the uh, the DC world uh also from Warner is Scooby-Doo and the Gourmet Ghost it's an original Scooby-Doo movie uh they're not throwing a lot of cameos in here from uh you know the World Wrestling Federation or any of the other stuff as they have lately of the new Scooby-Doo movies this one feels more like the uh older ones this one feels okay the there's a there's a cooking thing going on here and is Giada De Laurentis an actual person
2: mm
1: I don't know. No. That's, that's the that's the chef here of, of, of one of the oh yeah okay so there Definitely.
0: is so there is a cameo yep. here that's what I wasn't sure of I I don't watch cooking shows so I uh, yep. I wasn't sure anyway that doesn't detract from it it is a uh, so anyway this this one feels like old Scooby Doo which I was I I appreciated we also have from Warner uh, and from uh, Cartoon Network another Ben Ten Omni tricked. 10, uh, 17 episodes of uh, Ben 10 here, uh, which is a lot, and uh, they're all very Ben 10-y. It, uh, not really. This show doesn't really change all that much. It just continues to do the same thing over and over, which I guess is fine for people. Uh, I got a couple from PBS Kids. Ready Jet Go, Jet's first Halloween. This is a, a CG animated show that, uh, you know, again, coming out for Halloween, four episodes. Uh, I not really the, haven't really... Caught the the whole jet phenomenon. Some kids really like it. Again, it skews very very young. Daughter's not into it because it's a boy. Uh, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood: The Best of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood Family Fun Collection. Uh, it's funny. My daughter does not really get into this, but I I was at somebody's house the other day and their kids were all over it. So I guess somebody likes it. Uh, eight episodes here of uh, the again very young skewing Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, and then some good stuff from Nickelodeon. Again, getting into the uh, Halloween. Uh, Spirit of Things. We've got uh, uh, Paw Patrol Halloween Heroes, which is you know cute if you like Paw Patrol. Again, that scores to excuse to boys. Uh, we've got SpongeBob SquarePants: The Legend of Bikini Bottom. You get it? It's not Bikini Bottom. It's Bikini Boo. because yeah. it's Halloween, and that's why. So uh, it's a little scary, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, which made me think I'm really kind of looking forward to Aquaman in a in a month and a half. Uh and uh, then yes, we also know, it's you know that. you're not yeah, I yeah. I know. I I'm hoping it's good. Yeah, yeah. I like Jason Momoa. I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tim's not on board. <laughs> and then an all new uh, paw patrol movie, Mighty Pups. Uh, which is a Walmart exclusive. So if you want this one, you got to head on out to Walmart and, uh, and grab it at Walmart or, or buy it online. It comes with a Voodoo digital copy that you can add to your library if you have uh, Ultraviolet or uh, movies anywhere. All of that already shows up in, uh, in Voodoo anyway, so there you go. Anyway, that's it for uh, KidVid this week. Uh, nice selection. Nothing uh, really remarkable here except for the Ray, which I think is super cool. Very, very cool on the Ray. Got to like check
1: that, that out. For sure, for sure, for sure. I have a little uh, LGBT uh, cinema here uh, that I'd like to go through. Uh, this was a neat little movie called Venus. I love this movie, uh, movie. This, this is, uh, this is about a Latin movie. This is about a young man, woman, man, uh, uh, who comes out as female, right? Now, his mother uh, has been pressuring him uh, to get married and, and, and have a child. Instead, what does she get? He tells her, no, not only am I not doing that, I'm, uh, I'm a woman now so he does uh and then who shows up uh his 14-year-old son uh, oh, who he no. didn't even know he had because oh. you know even when you're gay sometimes you, you this is a comedy yeah oh, all and right. it's just as Good. funny as hell as this 14-year-old boy shows up to his dad who is now a woman and his grandmother and, and and the funny thing about it is it sort of all works out and it's really really sweet and funny uh as as one might expect it to be it's called Venus it's a very sweet film from Wolf Video on DVD all kinds of really neat features too uh... well a few features including uh... various different subtitles the year lost my mind was actually pretty intense i, I rather enjoyed this um, uh... this film is about a guy um, uh... who uh, encounters a burglar in his house uh... They, they, they have a very intense moment he's extremely attracted to the burglar he starts stalking the burglar mm-hmm. turns to tables uh, uh, very, very intense. A well-made film, uh, film. You know, and it's mostly just about the sort of nature of that relationship, the the, the thriller part of it. Um, and uh, it's only 85 minutes long, German with English subtitles. Um, this one is funny. It's called Sodom. <laughs> It's about this kid who, who, who goes off to one of these sort of, uh, you know, uh, wild sort of gay yeah. party parties, sure. you know? Yeah. He hence ends the, up being... Hence the title. Uh, yeah, hence the title. Yeah. Uh, it's right in the title right there. <laughs> he ends up being, get, getting himself uh, handcuffed to a light pole. Uh, he's just, you know, he's... Just, sure. But sometimes these things happen. <laughs> uh, and, and fortunately, this very nice young pianist... Oh, he's naked. Did I say he was handcuffed no. naked to the light pole? <laughs> that, naked to the light pole. And uh, and, uh, and only in gay cinema can you get yeah. away with that. Think of a movie starring anybody True. else you know where you can actually even do that. Anyway, a, a, a guy comes along, a young pianist, helps him get off the light pole, takes him home, they start a relationship. It's a very sweet and funny little movie. <laughs> um, uh, and with uh, a perfectly wonderful title. And then we have one documentary. No dress code uh, required. This is about a couple, an actual couple, uh, a, 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 a male couple who want to get married down in Baja, California, yeah. when it was still illegal because, you know, Baja has its own sure. little uh, Mexicali and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And they you know, and they could have come just sort of come, come up to the United States and got married, or yeah. but they decided not to. Uh, and this is a documentary that follows their fight to be able to legally get married in their actual hometown. What's interesting about this is that everybody in the town is totally for it. It's like no <laughs> one is against it. It's just that it just happens to be illegal. And, but everyone is like, yeah, guys, get married. It's like mean, everybody is like, uh, but, you know, we've uh, got to change the law. And, it, you know, I kind of like that. It's See, sweet. This is
0: a this is a more diverse collection of LGBT films than what we normally get. Yeah. They normally hit a few it's like faith-based cinema. There's usually a formula, right? A template that they all just They've keep They figured keep it out into. you can't do that anymore. And that's that's good. Yeah. What, that's you, good. Yeah, everybody's just figured out you can't do that anymore. You can't do that. All right, moving on to new movies. Got a couple of 4Ks here. Uh going to start off with Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, and the made a crap load of money
1: but it's still terrible I, I just don't care I just don't care
0: they went and got uh J A Bayona to direct it who is a good director but is just saddled with a horrible horrible franchise the, the 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 resurrection of this franchise with Jurassic World I don't know I mean of course I know it's money you know we well, could yeah. get these actors and and the, and the and it made a ridiculous amount of money for Universal but you just can't squeeze any more out of this you just can't it's like it's like when they just went to the well too often with jaws, yeah it's it's a one note thing, yeah, you go to a park that's supposed to function, and then the park goes haywire, and now you're running for your life at a certain point, you stop trying to have a dinosaur park, yeah.
1: At a certain point, you just say, "You know what?" Is the, the central question at which the top is, of this film, <laughs> that scene with Jeff Goldblum, yeah, the one moment I yeah. like in the film. The central question is, uh, "Should we do this thing that will kill all the dinosaurs?" Yes, should you we should. Finally, just kill. And Jeff, yes, of course we should. Yeah. What is wrong with you people? Dinosaurs <laughs> have been eating the children for twenty-five years. Kill them. All it's the dumbest question ever posed in a movie.
0: It, I, it's just they never make the right choice. No. It's like every Friday the Thirteenth or, uh, or or uh, or Halloween. Halloween movie. You know what? Of which there's another one. By the way, I know, yeah. I know. Which which apparently is very good. It's David Gordon Green, which is weird.
1: Not They're, really. Not at this point when you look at his his, his filmography, yeah. it's just a silly mess.
0: Yeah, of crap. It is mostly crap. From you know. George Washington yeah. to Halloween. Yeah. I don't.
1: You know, and, and Your Highness is in there. I know. Yeah.
0: Anyway, eh, we've said too much about it. It's on 4K,
1: 4K Blu-ray,
0: and and uh, yeah, yeah, it's just too much stuff. They got Chris Pratt's Jurassic Journals on here, by the way, too, if that's of any interest to you. But otherwise, I mean, does it look good? Yeah, yeah. And
1: then, so over here, I've got Oceans Eight, right? So Oceans yeah. Eight, and, and you know, was this terrible? No. Am I as pissed at this as I was at that? No. Yeah. Uh, was it good? No. <laughs> no, it's not actually good. What's good about it are all these ladies. Yeah. I, I love these ladies, and you know I can. You know, I can watch Sandra Bullock just walk around, you uh, know, whatever. That's a you know, terrific really cast. it's a terrific cast, and even, even Rihanna there. But you know, uh, I just I, other than why not just write a movie, a caper film, yeah, for these women. Why, Why make it Danny yeah, Ocean's sister? Yeah, yeah. And, and jam it into that hole. I mean, I know, again, we, we ask these questions that we know the answer to. Yeah. We you know franchises and this, and that's yeah. the same thing with over there. But I just, I don't know, it just seems so, you know. Yeah, mercenary. Mercenary. No, write a movie. Caper film. A caper film about eight women, and they can do whatever the hell these women can do rather than just sort of repeat the crap that the boys did in another movie. I think it's kind of insulting anyway. There's a whole lot of special feature crap on here.
0: So we got a Blu-ray movie here called Siberia with Keanu Reeves. Uh, this is a uh, this is a truly terrible movie. I this was developed within Keanu Reeves's company and with his partner, and and I won't get into the details of this because uh, when I I had to see this for film week, so I saw mm. it in the screening room at uh, WME, mm. and um, I, the. That screening room is very red. Let's just put it that way. Mm. Every, every bit of upholstery in that room is red. So we felt like we were cradled in a womb.
2: <laughs> I was there with Charles and
0: Claudia. And it was, it, it was very symbolic because at a certain point we, we felt like we were sort of trapped behind enemy lines and we couldn't get out. The, the, here's the gist on this. Keanu is a diamond merchant trying to set up a deal in Russia. Uh, Molly Ringwald is his wife back home who you only see through Skype. And um, he's trying to do a thing, and things are going south, and people are dying. And I won't get into all the gory details, but it's never quite clear why any of this is happening, why he has to be in Russia to orchestrate a deal between someone who has the diamonds who's already in Russia and someone who's buying the diamonds who's already in Russia. It's never quite clear why these 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 diamonds are so valuable, where they came from, why this is an illicit deal, why this need. None of this is clear. All it's known is this is how he makes a living, and then there's a Russian woman at a cafe that he winds up having an affair with, and then she gets in on this, and then there's this horrible, horrible scene with a Russian mobster. It's it's just a bad movie that just goes on forever and doesn't make any sense at all. And then... The one special feature on here, Passion and Intrigue, Bringing Siberia to Life, which is a featurette that tries to tell you why this movie exists, and all it does is open more questions. Mm. I don't understand.
1: Um, The Big Take uh, is a movie here. This movie would like to be well, any movie that that Quentin Tarantino made uh, across the arc of the 90s and a few other directors like him. and It even has Robert Forrester in it. Uh, you know, quasi-Elmore Leonard yeah. kind of thing going on here. But, but it's really not very good. Interesting cast uh, of people that I really, really like. Um, generally speaking, James McCaffrey and Zoe, Zoe Bell from uh, the you know, Quentin Tarantino films, Zoe Bell. Uh, Dan Haida and Robert Forrester, obviously. Basically, what you got is this uh, movie star. Movie star uh, made a tape some years ago that he'd rather not go viral. Uh, He's being blackmailed. He hires a detective to go out and find the the person who's blackmailing him. The detective finds a guy, but that guy is not actually the guy who's blackmailing him. Uh, But now that he is involved with uh, this detective and that movie star, he wants to get that movie star to actually uh, agree to make his movie, to be in his movie. And in order to do that, he's willing to do whatever it takes to find the guy who's trying to blackmail the movie star in the first place, the guy the detective was supposed to find uh, and uh, and it sort of spins out of control from there. Anyway, you end up with Zoe Bell with this pickaxe. Nice. Yeah. Sure. Go, go there. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, and, uh, and, you're, and you're in a perfectly decent little crunchy movie. It's you know this is not great stuff. And it's certainly a movie, uh, uh, d- Justin Daily directing, um, that's uh, sort of built from and speaking to a whole bunch of crunchy little movies like that. But you know if you know if there's a world for this kind of stuff. So what the heck.
0: Uh, got a couple of Blu-rays here. Things go wrong when, everything, when you think it's just going to be a wonderful little or an average day or a nice little job or a trip or something, and then everything goes wrong and bloody and horrible. Uh, both of these are kind of in that same vein. The first one's an Australian film called Goldstone, Where Worlds Collide. Um, basically, you got a detective who's you know doing a, a routine missing persons inquiry in this small town, and then, of course, it's, it's not routine. And yeah. next thing you know, he's, he's, in, the, he's in the muck. Uh, but it's a, it's a cool, because it's Australian, it deal, it, there's a lot of very specific stuff. It uh, has to do with, you know, Aboriginal history and, and uh, the wonderful David Gulpilola is in this. Uh, David Wenham, Cheng Pei Pei, Jackie Weaver, the uh, Oscar nominee uh, yes. from uh, Animal, Animal Kingdom, Kingdom who right. I was so delighted to give our LAFCA award to at that time. Uh, she's just ten- terrific, as always. Uh, really a, a great cast, sharp little movie. This would have gotten a theatrical release in the United States uh, 15 years ago. It's on Blu-ray now. I do recommend it. It's really, really, it's just good independent filmmaking, Aussie style. You definitely want to check it out. Goldstone. And then the other one is uh, Denise Richards and Misha Barton in The Toy Box. Uh, uh, This is the tagline, vacations can be deadly. Yes, they can. Most vacations are deadly. Uh, that's why you just don't take them for crying out loud. So uh, you uh, the the idea here is that you know you got this family trying to get over their own issues. They hop in an RV and uh, they head on off to a uh, a vacation, which is supposed to be kind of like a therapeutic RV vacation, right? To yeah. to get your get your family issues all together. And um, next thing you know, they, there's a well they're they're, they're stranded and things happen and things really bad happen uh, when you're stranded in the rb so let's let's just say this is like a this is like a slasher thriller slasher slash ho- uh thriller <laughs> horror thriller uh, you know crosses all those all those things but normally you go out to the cabin in the woods or to some remote location the hills have eyes you're you're out somewhere remote uh, and things happen here, you take the cabin with you. The RV is just bringing that remote cabin along mm-hmm. with you. So wherever that is, that's where trouble are going to be. Uh, anyway, the, uh, the, the, the RV. The, what's interesting about this is the, the RV is also a, a thing. And I, I, mm. I can't get into why the RV is a thing, but it's, it's, the RV is also a thing. Wow. So it's like a character.
1: So it, the toy box,
0: and the title does make sense. It's not just a, a random
1: thing. It's an odd thing because that is more or less the exact same movie as this, <laughs> <laughs> Truth or Dare, which is about a horror, which is a horror movie, about these uh, about these uh, these eight uh, college friends who who rent yeah. this yeah you know, this this horror house, a house where several people, uh, young people, were murdered yeah. uh, when they were playing this game, Truth or Dare, yeah, and they ended up dead. So they're going to rent this house on Halloween, go there, and they're going to play that damn game. You you know what happens? Same thing that happened to the other kids <laughs> because that's. The point of the, the evil—it's ha- an evil house, guys. You don't want to go over yeah. there. Uh, Cinnatel films. You look. This stuff is fine. Uh, Halloween's coming up. Uh, you know, get yourself quacked up. And then we've got bi-
0: Trench Eleven. Violence is contagious. That's the tagline. Violence is contagious. Trench Eleven. Uh, this is all about. This is a World War I thriller, kind of a kind of a, a genre thriller of sorts. Uh, you have got this biological weapon that uh, Allied troops discover. When they you know after world war one or 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 in the process of wrapping up World War One, they get into this under- underground bunker and there's this biological threat and uh then it you know basically becomes kind of like a like an alien zombie movie it's basically what it is um or a virus movie you know andromeda strain in any case, it's one of those movies where there's a there's a there's a biological threat and now it's it's eating them alive and the whole thing so um. The uh, but it's extremely well done. It's uh. It's suspenseful. It's well shot. Really well acted, and it's a sharp little indie. And uh, bravo to uh, to Robert Johnson and his RLJ Films for Trench Eleven, which is only on DVD. It's not on Blu-ray. Probably should have been on Blu-ray because mm. it's really well shot. It would have mm. been great on Blu-ray.
1: Interesting. I got a good one here too. I actually uh, I covered this film on Film Week as well. Robert Pattinson and Mia Wasikowski I really have come to. There, well, I've always been nuts about Neil Wachowski, but Robert Pattinson, uh, who didn't start well with me in those stupid, uh, yeah. uh, you know, whatever vampire yeah. movies I guess they were, uh, uh, and you know, and he once he got himself disentangled from that goofy stuff and started hanging out with Cronenberg and, you know, real filmmakers, he has developed himself into being a very interesting actor with a good deal more in common with you know people like Jeremy Irons and. Uh, and um, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, there will be blood. Uh, right, uh, right, right, guy. right. Uh, the, and uh, yeah. Daniel. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis. Day-Lewis. Then yeah. with the, I don't know, the, the, the tight-wearing crowd who bounced around the Marvel and DC universe. He doesn't yeah. do that. You'll notice this kid has not put on any tights, dude. Yeah, uh, You know, that, that, like I, that's on purpose. Yep. After he did that vampire crap, he got yeah. paid. He's paid. <laughs> you know, he's like, you know what? I can act for the rest of yep. my life now. So good for him. Robert Pattinson, this movie right here, Damsel. Interesting film. Set in 1870, Robert Pattinson is this guy, quirky guy, and he is ostensibly gone out west to um, hire Robert Forrester uh, uh, to take him to find Mia Waszkowski, who he says has been kidnapped. Right okay. and taken out into the boonies. Nice. He's going to go out there. Why not? He's going to get the his love back. He's going and, and he's It's all kinds of very wacky twilighty. Stuff. Going very twilight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, 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 very very uh, interesting. This is what happens in this movie. This movie walks you right up to a sort of obvious sort of circumstance where a thing that you think is going to happen is going to happen because it's happened in a thousand movies just like this movie, and never not once does the very obvious thing ever, ever, ever happen at that moment in this movie. You're standing right there. You've seen 100 movies, a 1,000 movies. You know what's going to happen now. It don't happen. Something else happens. The thing that happens instead is a perfectly reasonable thing that could happen at that moment. It's just not ever the thing that you expect to happen in that, in the, in, in that moment. And this movie does that all the way through. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. Mia Wasikowski, damsel. The title, Mm -hmm. so perfect, because what she would like more than anything else is for all of the men in this movie to leave her the hell (laughs) alone. Alone. That's what's going on in this movie. The Zellners, uh, David Zellner um, uh, and Nathan Zellner brothers directed the film. David Zellner plays a very important character in the film, too. Very good actor, too. Sweet. Uh, Yeah, neat.
0: Uh, We've got some PBS stuff, and we're going into TV now, Uh, and three from PBS. The first one on Blu-ray is The Miniaturist, which is based on the Jesse Burton bestseller, and uh, this was aired as part of Masterpiece, takes place in uh, the late 17th century, and it is really 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 well done especially anchored by this amazing performance from a young actress named Anya Taylor Joy who I've never heard of before mm-hmm. but she is sensational look out for her she's going to be really really good uh the um this all takes place in Amsterdam it is it is a you know british production but it takes place in Amsterdam and uh it's uh it's it's um how would how would you how would you put this it's almost like a I don't want to, I hate comparing all these things to Downton Abbey, but this is, this is very much the, the intrigue, uh, in a house. This is the, the intrigue of a household. It's, it's similar to Downton Abbey in that sense, in that there's all of this, uh, all of this stuff that goes on in this household and it centers around the, this, uh, small miniature of the home. And, uh, that's where the title the miniaturist comes from and the the uh, the the art of miniaturizing things which is a metaphor for all of the other stuff that goes on in this thing and uh the idea of uh, you know dollhouses and and things related to dolls have always been kind of a part of of really gaudy thriller metaphors but um in this case it's really it's very interesting it's very smartly done and uh, the, you don't see what where this stuff goes. You just see absolutely nothing coming. It's, it's really cool. And the fact that it takes place in, you know, 1686 Amsterdam just makes the whole thing even more kind of odd and gothic. It's really, really cool. The miniaturist, really worth checking out. We also have season five of The Great British Baking Show. Which continues to make me hungry every single time. Uh, I can't make any of these things. My wife is a baker. I'm I cook, as people often say. Mm. Cooking is art. Baking is chemistry, mm. and that's very true. Mm. Everything has to be right. You can't just like I can put a chicken on the grill, and if it's you know four minutes or six minutes, whatever, it's okay. It'll it still tastes good. Yeah. The difference between you know four and six minutes on the grill isn't much. Four and ten minutes. Well, isn't salmonella, even that much.
1: but other than that, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but once it's cooked, it's cooked, right? Yeah. You know. Uh, no, the difference in baking, the no. difference between thirty seconds and thirty-five seconds, can be night yeah. and day. Yeah, no chemistry. Yeah, can be, no complete, yeah. It can be yeah. complete catastrophe. The difference between you know uh, one one little tiny piece of yeast. And, you know, like a little, like a, like a quarter, a quarter, okay, I can put as much pepper and salt on most foods as I really want. It's all going to taste, it's going to taste pretty much the same, right? You get like an eighth of a teaspoon of yeast, that changes everything. Oh, yeah, it rises, so, it don't rise, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's an enjoyable show, uh, but seriously, the tarts just killed me. They just about killed me. I, I just want to eat them so badly. And then uh, Anne of Green Gables continues to come back on television in a million different incarnations in uh, this one, Fire and Dew. Anna is going off to college, and it drives her parents crazy because they just don't know how to deal with uh, sending a kid to college. That goes on every year all over the world in every country. People send their kids to college, and they freak out because Mm -hmm. they don't know how to deal with them growing up. They just happen to do an Anna Green Gables movie about that outstanding
1: there you go macgyver season two uh if you had asked me uh when uh they you know uh um, rebooted macgyver that there would be a macgyver season two i'd have called you crazy yeah i continue to be incorrect about these things as uh, magnum pi and y50 and all of the sort of television shows of the uh, 70s and 80s that you and i grew up loving uh, get rebooted i hate every single one of them <laughs> i hate this one uh and but there it is, season two, and I imagine there will be a season three. Um a guy Vancouver, in Cuba, uh Saving the Day, blah <laughs> blah, blah blah, all this kind of crap. Gag real, deleted scenes. Once, um, again, if you had uh, told me, I think it's almost been Once Upon a Time. Once once upon a time, yeah. yeah uh, uh once upon a time. If you had told me back when they when when they created this series with that little boy and you know, that whole storyline yeah. and storybook and you know, yeah. and crossing over Cinderella yeah. hooked and all this kind of crap, that it that this would last twenty. Twenty-two episodes Yeah, uh, uh, in, this final, in this final must-see season. Uh, and they did everything you can possibly do in this goofy show. Uh, and there it is. People just love this I've stuff, never, and I just never, don't get it. I've never understood
0: this show. My mother-in-law loves it. Uh, it's one of the few things. Look, I, as uh, people of my beloved mother-in-law's generation are prone to do, they are kind of Luddites. She can pick up her cell phone and have absolutely no idea... How to get a text? How to read a text? How to send? It. It's just—it's a—it's a mystery box yeah. to her. That cell phone is a mystery box. We can sit and watch this show. She understands every single interlocking storyline and every single overlapping non-linear. Yeah. She gets this thing. I—I'm confused to to death. Oh, they're—they're they're
1: like three different hooks in this show. It's a, ridiculous. A hook in this realm and a hook in that realm and all, guys, it's all its all—it's all bananas. Uh, there are people love it. Uh, all kinds of bonus extras, Blu-ray, this, that, and the other thing on here. Once upon a time. Uh, final season, 22 episodes. The uh, very,
0: very cool Swedish series Modus is in its season two. Uh, Kino Lorber snatched this one up. I would normally have expected this from uh, MHZ Networks, but uh, they're getting some stuff over there at Kino. Uh, in any case, the uh, this is season two of Modus, which is a really, really, really cool um, uh, political... Kind of thriller show. I I guess the best way to uh, explain this this is based on the best selling novels by Ann Holt, um, and and Kim Cattrall is in this, by the way. Mm. Kim Cattrall plays yeah. the president of the United States. Yeah, outstanding. Yeah, uh, but it's uh, you know there's a this is this is all about political intrigue, uh, mostly between the United States and Sweden in this second season. And uh, you would think that there wouldn't be a whole lot of mileage there, but somehow Sweden, as sweet and lovely as it is, they find room for intrigue. You know, mm-hmm. uh, n- girl with the dragon tattoo and all that stuff. There mm-hmm. are dark corners in that country that uh, suggest all kinds. So it's not quite like House of uh, House of Cards, yeah. But it uh, there are aspects of that to it, and uh, some really great, some really really great uh, performances here, especially by um, Melinda Kinneman who plays the uh, criminal profiler Inger Johanna and uh, Henrik Norlin as the uh, police superintendent. So uh it's really it's it's really good Modus
1: season 2. Mm. And uh, along the same lines yeah. the must-own final two seasons of Scandal set in the in yeah. the political intrigue of the United yeah. States kind of um uh the interesting final two seasons so you have season 6 and uh, the uh, complete and actual final season season 7 in this box set set here. Uh you know uh, some of the most profound television of the last 10 or 15 years has been created by Shonda Rhimes. Uh, Shonda, you know, a sister. Uh, And I just think that it it should go noted uh, that uh, it it marked a profound change in the dynamic of television that a uh, black woman has been able to create, produce, and put on television I don't know, some six or seven series now, uh, most of which have been really successful, including Scandal, um, uh, for more than a decade. I mean that that has to be marked. You know? It
0: does have to be marked and it's this is we've talked about this on this show before, which is that most of these barriers that people imagine are uh economic barriers, they really aren't. It's only once you knock them down that you realize that you've been depriving yourself. It's the old friend Fred mm. Williamson story, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he, mm-hmm. went, he went to Can to sell his movies and the people said nobody wants to buy a movie with uh you Know with you in it, and he's like, Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll, we'll see. You better, you better
1: take the yeah, we're gonna give you a buck 95. Yeah, and, buck 95. They're, they're, you're black, yeah. And if we they don't in Europe, and yeah. no, no,
0: no, 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 no. no, he no. He waited. And, then, and he waited. And then the last day of the festival, they all came back and paid the man what he wanted, yeah. So, you know, these, these things do have a way of self correcting over time, yeah. I wish it didn't take so much time, but it does, yeah, yeah. Uh, The Looming Tower, limited series Looming Tower, is not as good as the book. I bought this book right around the time that it came out, which was within about a year and a half of 9-11. Yeah. Uh three
1: just a uh, you know, few two, days, two days ago? Days ago? Yeah. A couple days
0: ago. Uh, anyway, the, the Looming Tower is essentially the journalistic account of the rise of uh, the, the book I'm talking about, the rise of Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda, and uh, how the, the failure of our intelligence services contributed to that rise, and on and on and on. It's a fascinating book. It's really incredibly well-researched, incredibly well-documented and supported and, and footnoted and all that stuff. And it's If you have a chance to read it, if you haven't read it, it's superb. It's absolutely superb. Um, it was especially superb, you know, when it came out because it was just so much in the, in the, in the shadow of 9-11 and how did this happen. In any case, the, uh, they turned the book finally into a miniseries and obviously had to carve it down to its bare essence and, in, you know, invent a lot of stuff in terms of characters and, and incidents to sort of clear the dramatic hurdles necessary to take a very dense nonfiction book and make it uh, dramatic. That's fair enough. They, did, they kept intact all the essential stuff. So I would almost say if you watch this with Zero Dark Thirty you're that's that's that works best for me because they complement each other in a really great way otherwise despite kind of bare bonesing it um some wonderful performances in here some really terrific stuff especially from jeff daniels who can do absolutely no wrong uh anywhere at any time he just keeps killing it so uh and you get some you know behind the scenes featurettes and uh, some commentaries and things like that but uh, otherwise, Blu-ray and uh, digital copy version of uh, of uh, Looming Tower,
1: limited series, just mm. superb. Um, I have the complete third season of Supergirl. Uh, people who listen to this show know no, that right. my favorite thing on the planet is Supergirl. <laughs> I love her so much. Uh, and I love this series. Uh, I love uh, this actress as Supergirl. And I love this season. This was a really, really great season. It was a very emotional season uh, of Supergirl um, uh, where Kara was, it was you know, she's, she's just like, you know what, this whole sort of Kara Danvers thing, maybe I'll just keep this outfit on and be Supergirl 24 hours a day. How about that? And, and, and I'll just, and I'll. I'll just skip all that other crap and, you know, and go around banging stuff. Uh, and who just likes Soak? And you got Rain and all that kind of stuff in the world killers. Um, this also completes all uh, four of the crossover episodes with the Arrow and the DC Legends of Tomorrow and the Flash and all that kind of stuff. A whole bunch of featurettes. Look, man, if, if you don't do anything else uh, with any of the things we talk about today, this is the thing to get. Uh, I, could, I could just do this all day, every day, and then the Flash. But right now, Supergirl. Third complete season. So, Watcher in the Woods was
0: an old Disney movie that they uh, apparently <laughs> felt, "Hey, let's uh, make this again." Now, it's not based on the Disney movie; it's it's uh, based on the orig- original uh, uh, source material, the same source material as the Disney film, Watcher in the Woods. And uh, Melissa Joan Hart decided, "I'm going to direct this." So, she, Melissa Joan Hart stepped behind the camera, made Watcher in the Woods. With uh, Angelica Houston and Tallulah Evans, and uh, it's basically the same thing. I don't know if it's better. I don't know if it's worse. I mean, it's certainly stylized. It's decent for a, for a Lifetime TV movie. Um, and you know, it's the, the idea of this—you know, girl who went missing, and then another girl that looks like her, and the creepy old lady in the manor, and don't go in the woods, and yada yada yada. It's uh, it's the same old thing. So anyway, uh, watch her in the woods. New version, directed by
1: Melissa Joan Hart. If you like the original, you'll
0: like this, too. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, Scorpion, the final season. Thank goodness. I hated this crappy show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Near an, an hour of special features. Look, why, why is it that uh, whenever Americans do uh, sort of super uh, scientist-y, sort of detectivity kind of, you know, uh, uh, yeah. like, they're always quirky? Yeah. you know and th- every single person in this show was 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 a quirky stereotype of a character you know what i mean like the, like yeah. it's like a 60s television show or something like a nerd over here and this quick and in the oh man i hate i just hate it uh, just hate it scorpion in the final season thank god uh, madam secretary starring uh, uh, season 4 <clears throat> look i, I I appreciated this show. I liked it a lot. I've, I have I always had a hard time getting through it because you and I know that we developed yeah. a series. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I watched this show I and I think about that series. I'm like, oh I know. man, I, know. You, you know, I hate this town sometimes. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, Tia Leone is fantastic in it. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty solid show. Special features include deleted scenes and some extended uh, uh, um, episodes and, and, and whatnot. Uh, Madam Secretary, season four. Got a,
0: a little gem here. This is on Blu-ray from VCI Entertainment, uh, distributed by MVD. Uh, this is this this heralds really good things to come. This is Volume One of Television's Lost Classics. Now, there's a lot of TV from the 1950s that I mean, most TV from the 1950s we don't even have anymore. I mm. think the I think the Milton Berle Buick Hour uh, specials that were out on uh, right. from Image on DVD that's out of print. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff that is just impossible to get now. Uh, what we've got here in Volume 1 are two new high-definition restorations of primetime specials directed by Sidney Lumet. Hmm. Uh, that's right. There is Crime in the Streets and No Right to Kill, both of them starring John Cassavetes. Now, I just want to say, Sidney Lumet. Sid- Lumet. John Cassavetes, John Cassavetes live TV drama. Man, I shouldn't need to tell you what these are about. It doesn't matter. The titles actually tell what it's about, crime in the streets and no right to kill. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all you need to know. But um it, this is this is when this is when people really cut their teeth as directors. Mm. Why was Sidney Lumet such a good director? Because he had to go out there with actors, rehearse the hell out of them like they were going to put on a stage performance. Yep and then go out and cameras roll, and you're not just up on stage performing now for a room full of a few hundred or maybe a thousand people. No. You're in front of cameras with millions of people watching you Mm -hmm. in their homes, and the actors aren't just hitting the proscenium. They've got to hit marks for cameras, and cameras have to hit marks, and these cameras don't have, you know... Giant cameras on them. No, (laughs) these are... I mean... Everything about this is, is this is what directing this is where you really cut your teeth. Why was Sidney Lumet such a great film director? Because yeah. this is where he went to school. Yeah, this doesn't exist anymore. Yeah,
1: that, that was that. All of that was actually before film schools. They were figuring Amazing. it out as they were going along. Amazing. Sidney Lumet, wonderful so, photographer and cinematographer, though that w- people forget. Watching
0: this, you learn so much. So I highly recommend this television's lost classics, uh, Volume One: The Primetime Specials, uh, Crime in the Streets, and No Right to Kill. It honestly, it's it, this is just superb. You you can't do wrong.
1: And Modern Family, the complete ninth season. Who would have thunk again? Uh, but I suppose that's sort of um uh, probably a yep yeah sure. Anyway, 3D sets contains all 22 episodes of the ninth of the ninth season. Special features includes a, a gag reel. Look, I watched about a season and a half of this, maybe back when it first started, and I think I might have dipped into, like, the fifth season or something like that. It's a really sweet, funny show. I can see why people like it. Uh, but, you know, I bailed well before the ninth season. I'm going to assume this is all pretty good. All righty. And then we've got Paterno, uh,
0: the, uh, the Al Pacino basically playing Paterno. Joe Paterno, the great college football coach, at it, at uh, it, it, uh, Penn, who yeah. Penn State, who, yeah. who kind of you know would have mm. had the greatest legacy of all time, if not for that whole you know. Sa-
1: back to what we were talking about before Jerry Sandusky
0: yeah. and the whole. Anyway, yeah, can't all
1: can't that. talk about Joe and just football no more.
0: Yeah, it's it's sad. It it really tarnished a a whole legacy. But nonetheless, uh, there's still a lot of legacy there. But it makes for for great drama. And Al Pacino, you know what? He really does a great job. I mean, Al Pacino can be a real ham at this state and, and I, he's not somebody that I would normally cast in a biographical role. Like, can Al become this person?
1: He does. He's he, straight up Paterno. He's done it twice now because he Nails did it play it. Kevorkian too oh, in that HBO right. movie. Right. And, sure and, is. and and frankly, I think that that's when Al gets gets contained a little bit. because you know Al gets yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. very broad, but but uh, when he has to play a guy, you know, yeah. then he has to play that guy, and and fortunately, he he will submit. Well,
0: anyway, this is this is quite good. This is uh, on DVD from HBO, not on Blu-ray. Not quite sure why, but it comes with ultraviolet, so you can uh, you can add that and always have it at hand.
1: Uh, Silicon Valley, the original HBO series uh, from Mike Judge and Alleg- look Look, um, this was a neat uh, show. This is the complete fifth season. It blows me away how, how long some of these shows sort of hang around, and it's interesting sort of, so, you know the sort of uh, group of actors uh, that uh, these shows sort of spit out. Um, this is about a guy trying to build a company in Silicon Valley, you know, uh, and uh, and all the trials and trails and tribulations of that. Uh, it's a pretty good show. Uh, it's uh, been nominated for several Emmys. There's not a whole lot of special features on this ultraviolet digital copy, copy you know, so Silicon Valley.
0: All right. And then last on the TV end, uh, before we, uh, we we kick into a few documentaries to wrap the show out, Uh, is Murdoch Mysteries, Home for the Holidays. I love the Murdoch Mysteries. And they've they're, they're they're the this is the first holiday themed thing. I would normally hang on to this for our, our our holiday show, but they they got this out so early. It is not even October yet. Yeah. And they've already got this thing out. So uh, the Murdoch's Murdoch's family Christmas turns deadly. No. Yes. Uh, so we got the we got the holiday whodunit uh, in this feature length Murdoch Mysteries Home for the Holidays out in time to get everybody uh, completely nuts about. Christmas coming on. It's really good. I mean, you know, it, it's not too dark. It's uh, it's just right, and it's really smart, and this show continues to be just the most endlessly solid show on British television. It just, it you know, year after year after year, it's just it never ends, and it's great. Murdoch Mysteries, home for the holidays. Uh, let's do some docs. Uh, uh, let's see. You want to you go? Yeah, let me hit this. I got some PBS stuff here. Animal Mummies from Nova. Um, this is... Okay, in ancient Egypt, they didn't just mummify people. They mummified their pets, you know, mm. and uh, it's really weird. But anyway, th- this gets into all of the, 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 the animals, you know, the discovery of the animals that were mummified in ancient Egypt. And uh, it's really kind of interesting and fascinating uh, because, there's you know, you would think, okay, cats for sure. We know the Egyptians were into cats. All right, dogs, fair enough. They like mummified fish, mm. beetles, crocodiles. Is like all kinds. It just gets weird, man. It gets really freaky. Uh, so uh, this is the exploration as to why and what was the point of this and like beetles. Why would you mummify a beetle? So this is uh, this all you know is is kind of a a, a forensic effort getting into the uh, archaeology of it. And it's really interesting. It's typically great Nova stuff. Another Nova that's really timely right now, because as we're recording this, that Hurricane Florence mm. is just pummeling people in yeah, North and South East, Carolina. Yeah. Uh, I've got a friend, in Nor- an old film school buddy in North Carolina, who's po- posting some very interesting and cryptic Facebook things. Mm. I'm not quite sure if he stayed to, to weather it or not. Mm. It's weird. I'm trying to figure out, are you safe? Are you not? Are you, Well, if he's are, posting, he can, are you, he's are got you, an internet connection. Are you delirious? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's called Rise of the Superstorms. And, uh, this sort of focuses primarily on the, uh, the summer of 2017 when, uh, there were just a, a series of really massive, massive storms beginning with Harvey and what it did to Houston and, you know, I mean, that wasn't that long ago. That was, uh, you know, it feels like a long time ago. But anyway, uh, so this, this is dealing with climate change and how you, you know, the impact that it has and how you deal with the storms and are they going to end and, lot of climatology and uh, and science in this, and meteorology, but it's uh, it's interesting in in the way that it looks toward the future. How do we cope with this in the future? And it's it's really good. So more engaging than something with this much science would normally be to me. And then Frontline does their typically amazing work on UN sex abuse scandal, which has kind of fallen off the headlines a little bit. Um, yeah. But uh, the the there are nearly two thousand allegations of sexual abuse by UN peacekeepers in all places all around the world that uh, still have to be dealt with. And um, this goes to, the, to the, n- the nuts and bolts of that. And uh, it, it gets into some details so that they're not just numbers. Who are the people that these happen to? Who are the children that these happened to? Who did them? Who's accused? How did it happen? And it's gut-wrenching once you get past the statistics and you start to see the human faces. It's really uh, it's, it's hard to watch, but it's essential. UN sex abuse scandal. All of that from PBS. Wow,
1: wow, 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 wow. That's uh, that's amazing. Uh, an American murder mystery uh, from Lionsgate. This is a three disc collection that takes a look at six of the uh, most uh, infamous, I guess you would call them. Oh,
0: this has this is the one that has the Natalie Wood. Yeah, including yeah. the
1: Natalie, which which is an yeah. odd one, um, uh, if you asked me. So it includes uh, the Casey Anthony case, the Scott Peterson case, the Joan Benet Ramsey case, the Jodi Arias case. I don't really remember that one. The Chandra Levy case. Uh and of course the Natalie the Natalie uh Woods uh the case, the one celebrity sort of case that I think is uh yeah. a, a weird sort of outlier. Anyway, it it looks at everything that has ever been collected with respect to uh legal documents and interviews and, and, and all of the business that is associated with each one of these cases. It does not draw any conclusions about any of them. Uh but you know, for the for folks sort of like um interested in that sort of business, of which I never have been, to be honest. Um, the fact of the matter is lots of lots of uh, murders go unsolved, yeah most true. murders go unsolved it 's what actually happens in this nation uh Rolling Stone f- uh, stories from the edge fifty years uh, defining our culture what's interesting about this uh Jeff Daniels narrating uh directed by uh, you know Oscar winning director Alex Gibney, is that in addition to looking at the music you know Rolling Stone uh, magazine uh, it, you you almost have to look at all of pop culture as well as politics uh uh the 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 uh, uh the uh feminine movement a uh, feminist movement uh the the politics of race uh come into uh into into stark reveal here because as particularly as hip hop music uh and and um uh, you know, acts like Ice-T and sure. Ice-Cube come onto the scene in the 90s and what that means in terms of politics and all that kind of... All of that is covered here. So, yeah, it's a, it's about Rolling Stone and music and 50 years of that, absolutely, but everything is just covered in this. Uh, uh, narrated bu- both by Johnny Depp and Jeff Daniels. So, one of
0: the books that was a, a big deal when I was growing up was Island of the Blue Dolphins. Uh, you know, when you're in, when I was in elementary school, that was essential kind of young reader source material, Island mm-hmm. of the Blue Dolphins. And, you know, once it's, but it's still good to read. It's just, it's written in a way that's, a, that's very accessible for kids. And the story is very, you know, really strong. And it's a survival story, but it's not too dark. And uh, it's just, a, it's a great novel. And it's sold millions and millions of copies. Uh, you know, it's also a very American story. The young Native American uh, girl who, you know, spent uh, 18 years on the, uh, um, on the ch- one of the Channel Islands out here off of the uh, coast of Santa Barbara. So, I mean, it's a great story. Anyway. This is a documentary about that actual woman. So, alone on the island of the blue dolphins, a documentary by Paul Goldsmith, who goes to the actual places and gets in all the archival material and really does all the uh, all the heavy lifting to um, to to kind of tell you this story in a very very tight hour. Uh, This, you know, what's what's interesting is I don't think when I read the book as a kid mm. i ever realized that it was a true story, Based on a true story until right. i went to the santa barbara mission where she is buried mm-hmm. and that's where you go oh my gosh that's a so that's a real story that wasn't just like made up or whatever like it, it sort of dawns on you in that moment yeah. so if you you know this takes it the extra step and really goes the extra
1: length and it's 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 just wonderful it's absolutely wonderful alone on the island of blue dolphins from first run features mm. Fantastic! A wonderful little fashion documentary about uh, fashion uh, uh, maven Vivian Westwood. I love uh, I, you know I love I love fashion, fashion all this kind of stuff. Vivian Westwood uh, and Malcolm McLaren, who was the manager of the Sex Pistols, about 40, 45 years ago, fifty years ago now, um, really sparked the whole sort of punk fashion movement. Yep. Uh, and 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 uh, and she's just an icon and uh, you know a feminist in and in a, in a trailblazer. This is a neat little documentary. These people these people plainly love Vivian Westwood. I do too. And she's still a badass. And a, and a uh, punk icon, Lorna, Lorna Tucker is the director of Westwood.
0: Fantastic. Uh, and then we'll do uh, we'll do two more. We'll do that one, and then this one, and then we'll uh, we'll release from Mark and his report from Doville uh, to Helen back the Kane Hodder story. Now, if you if you've been living in a cave, then you're the only person that understands that Kane Hodder is a legend in uh, horror films. Uh, Kane Hodder basically is known for playing Jason Voorhees in the Friday the 13th films, Mm -hmm. all of them. He's the guy that puts the mask on, big, puts big, his, big dude. Big dude puts his hulking body behind it, and that requires some acting too. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is just chopping people's heads off and using chainsaws and axes and murdering people, and he's wearing a mask so you don't have to emote through your face. All of that
1: can be done badly,
0: but that could be done badly. Yeah, as if you saw the uh, the recent the the um, the uh, which the the when they brought Darth Vader back. Oh, in the recent uh, Star yeah, Wars the Star Wars Solo. And and they did not uh, put uh, it was it was the one before Solo it was oh yeah the,
1: uh, yeah whatever it was yeah. yeah
0: when they when they did not go and get David Prowse to yeah. put in the suit you could tell that yeah. it was not David Prowse no, just, not just, a, big, just, a, big just a big guy it's a big guy you know it, so there is acting there anyway so this uh, this is all about uh, Kane Hodder and uh, telling you about you know his childhood and how he became a stuntman. And uh, how he got into the, the, you know, the the how he got into these films, and and uh, you, know, you have all kinds of people who've worked with him who are interviewed in this. It's a really, really interesting documentary about a guy who doesn't get enough credit. To hell and back: the Kane Hodder story.
1: Ah, wow, interesting stuff over there. This is a this is a rather uh, painful documentary. It harkens back to a day that I remember, 1987, uh, a Vietnam era veteran named Brian Wilson uh was protesting the shipment of weapons to Nicaragua. This is a big deal in the 80s. Uh you know, I think I was still in the Air Force when, when all that was going on Iran Contra. I mean, yeah. you remember it all it was just sure. a mess. Oliver North and uh and uh, and he was protesting the shipment of these arms to Nicaragua. He laid down on a tr- on these train tracks where where uh, at a naval station where the shipment was going to go through and 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 someone ordered the train uh, to press forward. He mm. lost both legs. Oh, um, uh, And this is all about that period, that era, uh, what it has meant to him, uh, and blah, blah, blah. It's really, really a very poignant and moving move. I, I do not know that I have that kind of commitment to any issue other than the salvation of friends and family. There you go. You know, I jump Most in front of, of, of a train for, 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 for a human uh, that I love, but not for an issue. I do not think.
0: I, I just saw a thing the other day about some guy that uh, took a machete uh, that w- to save a lady. Just stranger. He jumped in front of a machete. Somebody was attacking people and mm. jumped in front of a machete. Yeah. He survived. But, yeah. like, would I do that? I, I don't know. I don't know. And <laughs> Until you're in the moment. Yeah. All right. So we had a chance to talk to Mark uh, from Doville. We did a little Skype session, and uh, we're going to wrap the show out. Here is our conversation with Doville Mark. All right as long as Skype does not do a Doris Day on us and that's a that, that's a <laughs> <laughs> that's a reference to a Lafka dinner that we would all prefer to not to forget. Um, we are we, Tim and I are in separate locations and Mark is in Doville reporting on the uh, the Doville Film Festival which none of us have ever been to. Mark how is uh, how has Doville been?
3: You know, I wasn't expecting much. By the way, hello to all the City listeners. I have not uh, been a part of the podcast for many months, and it is my pleasure to be back. Um, so I had never been to Dauville either. It is a beautiful seaside town in the Normandy region of uh, France, which Wade obviously knows very well. And, uh, you know, I was not expecting much because Deauville is not considered a major film festival. It's actually called the Deauville uh, American Film Festival because all the films at the festival are American. And so, yes, you're you're literally flying 5,000 miles away from America to go see a bunch of films that are American. But that's how they roll, and uh, you know, I have to say, I've seen nothing but good films here. There is um, there's a competition, and actually tonight, they're going, tonight is the awards ceremony, where they're going to uh, give out the awards, and best picture, and best actor, and whatnot. Uh, but otherwise, I've seen nothing but good films. They don't really have, you know, blockbusters here. Uh, a lot of them are independent films, stuff like, uh, you know, Thunder Road, which is a great serial comic character study by uh, Jim Cummings. Um, Monsters and Men and uh, American Animals, which already came out. Puzzle is in competition here. Now Puzzle is absolutely terrific. That's the one with um, uh, uh, well, what's uh, Kelly McDonald?
1: Oh, if I'm really, yeah. if i
3: 'm Yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh there's been nothing but great films here. Another thing they do, which is kind of fun, is Doville is a seaside town, and what they have in Doville is they have these beach cabins. They have a very, very long boardwalk. And this long boardwalk just has nothing but beach cabins. And each beach cabin is dedicated to a different celebrity. And the celebrity has to come down. And there's like an American flag over their cabin. And they come down. And if they are honored with their own cabin. They fly down to Deauville. And there's a big, you know, there's a big christening ceremony for their cabin. And every year, a couple celebrities get their own cabin. And literally, they have like, Ilya Kazan has a cabin. Everybody from Ilya Kazan to Adam Sandler have cabins. There's, there's hundreds of them. And I mean, Gene Hackman and William Holden and Robert Mitchum, they all have cabins. Harrison Ford, I think, had, uh, had his cabin given him a couple years ago. This year was Morgan Freeman, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, and for some reason, Jason Clark.
2: Which
3: I don't understand. But he's not that great. I mean, no. far enough, I mean, we love Jason Clark, but he's not like, he's not uh, Ilya Kazan. Um, so that was. I went to the unveiling of the Sarah Jessica Parker cabin. She was there and she signs the thing, waves the fans, whatever. And um, also last night was a very fun uh, tribute to Morgan Freeman. Uh, a, uh, they have three theaters here. One, the main theater is huge. It is literally almost as big as the Academy Theater on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. Wow. And that's that's where the, uh, the Morgan Freeman tribute took place. And obviously Morgan was there. There was a, a French film critic spoke, a French actor I never heard of spoke. And then uh, Morgan came up and he spoke and that was kind of nice. And there's two other theaters. One is um, at a casino. There's a, a major casino here in Deauville. Uh, there's also horse racing in Doville and tennis in Doville. Those are like the big things that they do. The mayor of Doville has done a great job in making the town constantly interesting all year long with various festivals and whatnot. Um, so there's a, there's a, there's a the main theater, which is enormous. There's a, the, there's the theater in the casino, which is, you know, multiplex size. And then there's another theater that regular people go to that they just repurpose for the, uh, that they just repurpose for the festival. So there's only three theaters. So it's not a huge, huge festival, but there's a lot of good films. And I've seen a lot and I'm posting reviews on synagogues.com as fast as I can. And so, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And also getting drunk.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah, I saw that I saw no, it on the uh, Facebook page.
3: Here's the thing. Wait, wait, listen to me. It's a brain you have to know. Uh. So in Normandy, there are two major hotels, gorgeous hotels over 100 years old. One is called the Normandy, and uh, it's, it's Deauville's, which, again, is the Normandy region of France. It's Deauville's, you know, oldest hotel, I believe. It's gorgeous, and they have a beautiful bar. And in this bar, they, uh, they had alcohol okay tim Tim's familiar with alcohol Wade not so much, but <laughs> I, 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 I I've seen it <laughs> it's and each drink is twenty one euros now twenty one euros is about twenty four dollars something like
1: that. now i'm not
3: working I haven't worked a long time because i'm uh, tracing around Europe, so uh, the idea of spending twenty one dollars on a drink, not my favorite thing, but I will tell you this first of all, the drinks are unbelievably delicious, so good plus they give you a little coffee cup-sized cup of cashews, another coffee cup-sized cup of chopped vegetables, and a third coffee cup-sized cup of uh, nuts. And sometimes, if you stay there long enough, they come around with these little French puff pastries. So basically, it's 21 euros, but it's not just a drink. It's dinner.
0: Okay. Oh, okay.
3: I got it all figured out. Let me tell you something. I know how to spend 21 euros well. I'm going to get drunk and fat and full. <laughs> it's what I do,
0: Wade. That's fantastic. Um, what, I'm just I'm just—I'm trying to think what questions. Tim, do we have any questions for him? He kind of seems to have covered all the bases. Thank you, Mark. Goodbye. Well, that's, that's great.
3: Thanks, Wade. Good to see you guys.
1: <laughs> fantastic. Uh, you know. I, I, I do have a question uh, uh, regarding the films that are there. First of all, are they familiar with the fat? The wonderful actor Burt Reynolds died, And how and how are the French handling that business?
3: Uh they're not handling Burt really at all. They're not really uh they're not really into the Burt Reynolds thing. Um, you know, Bert, the people that I've talked to about it, they acknowledge that Bert Reynolds was was a thing in America, but obviously he had a certain, you know, cultural importance within the continuum of Hollywood stardom that really means more to us than it does to them. In other words, he's so- no G-
1: he's no, he's no Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Just
3: <laughs> he's gonna no, say n- nobody's Jerry Lewis. Okay, <sighs> but but it's funny because because like, one of the most anticipated documentaries here, you know, they, they they have a special section for documentaries, and one of the most anticipated ones here, which I saw and is terrific, is called "Nice Throws Don't Stay for Breakfast," and that's Bruce Weber's documentary uh, about Robert Mitchum, and Robert Mitchum, who does have a cabin here. Uh, cabin dedicated to him. Uh he's the topic of this documentary. Bruce Weber, so you know it's black and white and mm. very impressionistic, and it's not a typical biographical documentary. Uh most of it was shot when Mitchum was a lot older. Uh but it's terrific. But they love I mean that that screen was packed mm. for Nice Girls Don't stay for Breakfast. So that was that that was nice to see. Also uh, by the way, another documentary which I posted a review on synagogues on is the, the Whitney Houston documentary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is which is terrific. It's really good. I mean, again, he's you know, he's trying to find out how this 19 year old, this beautiful, talented 19 year old girl became this complete drug addicted wastrel, you know, and uh, he really is a forensic level of research winds up tracking it down to uh, her family. She was pretty much doomed from the start. And if you see this documentary, Whitney by Kevin McDonald, you'll you'll get a very fine sense of that.
1: Yeah, uh, it's really, it's really sort of an interesting story. Funny, uh, all these years after after Whitney's death, there's right now running on uh, BT. Uh, there's a uh, Bobby Brown, Bobby Brown, Whitney, Whitney Houston's uh, uh, husband, um, uh, um, uh, biopic, kind of a biopic running. And I don't know, it's a really, really interesting thing. For years in the black community, you know, we blamed everything that happened to the extraordinary Whitney Houston on Bobby Brown. Uh, Bobby must have done it. It must have been the influence of Bobby. And as it turns out, no, <laughs> not not really, not so much. Uh, Whitney was kind of Whitney when Bobby met her, and that's why she liked him. Yeah.
3: Well, what was interesting in the documentary is that uh, everybody in the documentary, all the family members, you know, the, the, the doc was done with the cooperation of the family, which, as you know, sometimes can be difficult because everybody's trying to protect themselves or Buries their image or not be not be very truthful to the camera. But I found everybody was very truthful. I mean, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of tragic things admitted during this documentary. But um, the, the, but the one guy who literally shut McDonald down and, and McDonald used it is Bobby Brown. So when when Kevin McDonald asked Bobby Brown, and you hear Kevin McDonald's voice in, in the documentary, when he asked Bobby Brown how much drugs had to do with the death of Whitney Houston, he, he said, I'm not going to answer that. And, and he said that not because it's too private or because it's too tragic. He doesn't want to relive it. It's because he doesn't. He he doesn't want to say something that's going to wind up incriminating him in the public eye. So he says, "I'm not going to talk about that." So there's there's a lot going on with that guy. I, I I'm not a Bobby Brown fan, but. Um I mean, I love his music. Who didn't? Who didn't love Bobby Brown's music? His music. Oh, was the
1: music—the music of New Edition. Can you can you say, uh, yeah. let, me, let me tell you
3: something. I think you know what I think. I think Cole Porter, Frank Sinatra, Bruce Springsteen, Bobby Brown. It's a continuum.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just thinking somewhere. You know, Bell Biv and DeVoe are standing around thinking, "Man, we dodged a bullet. Dodged the bullet in that one. <laughs> <You> <laughs> that know?
1: was a mess. My so it's, it's it's
3: it's it's been a lot of fun here. It's uh, um. You know, I did go see, probably the biggest film here was The Sisters Brothers. Uh, I went to the press conference with uh, director Jacques Odiar. I hear it's and, great. Uh, stars Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley, And that was a lot of fun, especially now, you, you, you guys will love this. So, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is notoriously press shy. Yeah. yeah. And so we're sitting at this press conference and everyone loves John C. Riley, But of course, all the questions go to Jacques Lodiard, because he's a French director. It's a French festival, basically. Nothing but French press there, some Americans. Uh, so Jacques is getting all the questions. And some of the questions went to some of the actors, and Joaquin Phoenix literally, for the entire length of the press conference, says nothing. Even, to the, even the questions <laughs> that were directed to him, he said nothing. And then at the very end, the very last question, uh, they're asked, uh, both actors are asked about what it's like to work with or why they wanted him to work with Jacques. And of course, John C. gives his usual, you know, entertaining John C. answer. Yeah. And then at the very end, Joaquin finally says, I wanted to work with Jacques because I liked the way he talked about the characters. And that was the only thing he said in an entire 30 minute press conference. And when, when, when he said those words, conference was over. <laughs> So, while well, King God. Phoenix literally sat there for 29 minutes and 45 seconds of a press conference, saying nothing, and then he got hit, and then he got in the last dozen words, and the press conference was
0: over. You know, that's very Nick Park like. When I've mm. when I when I've been at press uh, junkets with Nick Park and Peter Lord, it's almost like the reason you know the Ardman guys. It's almost like the reason that they are our partners is because Peter Lord does not stop talking. He's very gregarious. He's very outgoing. He you know he's very engaging. And Nick Park is very like he's like the you know the, the the soft talker on Seinfeld. He will just sit there, very introverted, very shy, and it, you 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 literally almost have to run over and just and grab him by the lapels and shake him to get him to chime in on something.
1: No, it's, it was the same way with James Ivory and Ishmael Merchant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could not shut Ismail Merchant up. Um, and, and he would be he would very happily explain to you exactly what James Ivory was thinking <laughs> when, when, when when James did this or james did that well let me see let, let me explain to you what james was thinking and James was perfectly happy to let him uh, you know so i don 't know some people are the guys, are the guys with the microphone yeah there you go
3: well, well if you if you a few blu- uh blu ray fans what are the um one of the documentaries here was uh, "The Great Buster: A Celebration," which was a uh, which is uh, Peter Bogdanovich's uh, documentary about Buster Keaton, which I think is going to be on Cohen Media's re-release Ooh, of all nice. the Buster's films. Now, Wade Majors, is that correct? I
0: guess I hadn't heard of this. I didn't. I did not know this even existed. So that's very. This exciting. is what I have
3: heard. That uh, uh, Cohen Media bankrolled this documentary. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich directed it, and he also. Uh, he also narrates it, and from what I had heard, uh, Cone's going to put that documentary as a major extra on some sort of re-release of Buster Keaton's uh, films. I don't know if it's which films, maybe his feature-length films, maybe just a short course.
1: And this is a feature-length doc by Peter Vodovich?
3: Oh, yes. Feature-length. Uh, it's about an hour and 45 minutes. It's... it's it's pretty standard. I mean, he, you know, Bogdanovich doesn't really do much or say much we haven't heard before. But you know, it's Peter Bogdanovich has been around for a long time. He's Oscar nominated. He deserves his shot at telling the story of Keaton. You know, he's That's done documentaries great. before. That's
1: pretty great. Um, in this case, he's, he's, I think he's in. No, I guess he's on that uh, Orson Welles doc uh, for the Netflix did for the Other Side of the Wind. For the well, the, yeah. the Netflix produced they released the Other Side of the Wind, and I think they produced a doc about the other side of the wind. And who is that? Morgan? Is that Morgan? Um, ooh, Morgan Neville or somebody? I can't remember who. Morgan was Neville. One. Yeah.
3: Morgan
1: yeah. Neville sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, you
0: know, so, the, so interesting. Because Cohen, Cohen owns the Rohauer collection. And the Rohauer collection is one, is one of the two major silent film archives. There's Rohauer and there's Blackhawk, which was David Shepard's collection. And David Shepard's Blackhawk films are basically divided between uh, Flickr Alley and uh, Kino, So all of, their, all of their pressings of, you know, D.W. Griffith and Keaton and, and whatever, that all comes out through Keno. Uh, but there's also, you know, also really, really good prints, in some cases even better ones with the Rohauer Collection, which are slowly coming out through Cohen. So that means that Cohen is going to release a, uh, a Buster Keaton set of some kind. And uh, that's pretty great that they, they, they're going to have the, the Bogdanovich on it. That's great. That's really good news. That's, that that's breaking news. To love to see that. Mark just broke news.
3: It's a scoop. <laughs> it's a scoop. Let me tell you something. You know what? You learn a lot here in Deauville. First of all, you you, you learn how to spend 21 euros on a, on, on a drink.
2: Yeah. I've learned
3: that. Um, you know, Deauville's actually a very nice town. It's not likewise. there's really not much going on. But um, it's a beautiful town. Uh, I'm really enjoying my time here. So, I've seen so, a lot of films. Today's the last day. Uh, the only two films, just to be honest with our long-time uh, listeners and fans, the only two films I'm going to miss, which, I'm, which I am uh, very angry about, is the Hal Ashby documentary. Which I, actually, I, I
0: watched it last night.
3: Uh, you know what, uh, did they send you a link or
0: did they... Uh... They sent me a link, uh, but do you... Now, by the way, you should know this. Do you know... The, you, you know, that kind of came across um, uh, Dave Barnblad in my desk four years ago. Do you know this? Mm, no. Well, see, that's interesting because, as we've mentioned on this show before, you know, Melinda Dillon, who was in Close Encounters and uh, Absence of Malice, Oscar nominated, a very good friend of ours. Um, I grew up with her son, Mark, and Mark knows her son as well. So years ago, um, Dave Barnblatt and I re-edited her reel uh, for her. Now, she was also in a Hal Ashby film. She, was, she played a double role in Bound for Glory. So Dave, uh, our friend Dave Barnblatt, who is a, a producer of commercials and music videos and documentaries, Dave was uh, somehow through his connections, the, the women who were making Hal four years ago, when it was not called Hal, it was called something else, uh, they came into contact with him and, and Melinda came up and he said, I know Melinda. Um, we could, we could, you know, see if she's interested in, in maybe being interviewed for for the film. And uh, so uh, I don't think Melinda wound up actually doing an interview for it. But uh, that that was four years ago that they were they were kind of scoping out and trying to get hold of people and putting it together. So I've been waiting for four years to find out what would happen to that film, and then finally came together, and it is really good. I mean, it's oh, wow. actually I, I I will say this I think it's too short. It's about ninety minutes long and uh they don't really cover his films from the eighties; they mainly focus on those that that you know those seven films from the from the seventies um and uh or that that like seven year period What is it five films in seven years something like that and mm-hmm. uh so it's pretty much you know that collection of movies in the seventies and his life and in in ninety minutes you you really blow through it i could this could very easily have been a three hour documentary to me you just throw in more clips more clips more interviews. Um, but there are a lot of people who are not interviewed, like Goldie Hawn and uh, Warren Beatty are not interviewed. But um, it, it, what they what they have is great. Norman Jewison's all over it. and When you got Jewison, it's all good. So yeah. you will see it when you get back, Mark. It's great. Here's my question. Well,
3: I, may... I've i requested a link uh, oh, from the publicist when they are back. The other film, by the way, I uh, will not. I have not seen because uh, I got here too late. Is Galveston, which is um, with Ben Foster and Elle Fanning, directed Ooh. by Melly Laurent.
2: Yeah. Oh. Uh. Melanie. Uh,
0: when I when yeah. I had, when I interviewed her for Cocoa, she was uh, she was talking about that. So I'm really curious to see how that turns out. Here's a question, oh, stop, Mark. Stop, stop, stop showing off. What? What? Now? You've you've been in you've been in doville all this time. Have you learned how to make dough? Uh,
3: no, but I have learned how to make a, a, a ville, and it's and okay. ville is delicious. You, the, the, the tough part is is separating the ingredients and just mixing them at the right time. But if if you can make a great ville. Then you you've you really learned something very good. valuable. All right. Very good. I don't know what I just said, Wade. Uh. Yeah, I made that up. I, I, you know <laughs> what? I'm you know Wait i I'm, I'm, I'm gonna work on that. I'm gonna work on that. and Get right back to you.
2: Oh yeah.
1: Perfect. That's so terrible.
0: <laughs> all right. That's well, terrible. Guys, this is all good. I think the listeners will be thrilled. Mark, we're looking forward to uh, to to getting you. Uh, I don't know where do you, where do you go after this? You're you're a vagabond now. <laughs>
3: I'm a temporary vagabond, so I leave. Uh, I leave Deauville tomorrow morning. Uh, the festival ends tomorrow, uh, but the awards are tonight. So I'll just get out of town tomorrow morning. I'll head back to. Uh, I'm going to back to Paris, and I'm Have just going to continue. I'm just going to continue blowing through money uh, with, with complete abandon. Fantastic.
1: Complete abandon or reckless abandon. Because, you know, they're not the same. <laughs> is
3: that right? Wait, what, what is the difference between complete, abandoned, and reckless? I, I, I guess complete just means fully, but reckless means uh, dangerous.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. Exactly, brother. <laughs> there
3: you go. Oh, I, you That's know what? I'm doing, bo- I'm doing both, so congratulate you.
1: <laughs> Congratulations!
0: All right, and Thank on that much. note, uh, we, will, we will let you go, and uh, we will get back to our regular podcast. This
3: mark, week. mark, mark. I now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. <laughs>
2: Here we go.